Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows the cost of cheap food, and a person struggling um, to face things as they are. Uh, for example, this week I was listening to a podcast. Um, it had a, someone who had really been informed on plastics, Kate Nelson, and she was on Jeff Kresno's um, show, Commune, and she was talking about how to be plastic-free. But um, I, I had to stop the podcast. I mean, I just had to stop it. I couldn't listen to it anymore. Because she explained things. And these are things I knew, but there's something about the way that she explained it. Um, you know, plastic does not break down. It's not like an apple core that breaks down. It becomes microplastics, then becomes nanoplastics. Then it enters the, the, the stream. It gets into the well. And then for the thousands of years, um, these plastics will be around. Um, and again, I've heard this information, but I just, I just almost had to shut it off because it was just so hard to take in. What have humans done, and what does it mean? Um, there was a study out in the uh, uh, that one of the Lancet journals published um, uh, a new study published this week that um, you know five years ago the World Health Organization and the United Nations reported on 15 ways that chemicals used in plastics and pesticides and flame retardants affect babies. Um, that includes IQ loss, intellectual disability, autism, attention deficit disorder, childhood and adult obesity. But a new analysis published Tuesday adds another 17 health impacts to this list and broadens the number of chemicals involved. Impaired glucose tolerance, gestational diabetes, reduced birth rate in babies, reduced semen quality, breast cancer, cognitive deficits, attention deficit disorder. So plastics take a thousand years to degrade and some forever chemicals never degrade. How do we start taking all this stuff in? You know, in the midst of all of our environmental problems, climate change, COVID, the intense economic uncertainty, the election. I mean, does anyone just want to run away, get some tequila and forget about it all? <laughs> but perhaps perhaps staying present um, is, is a way to actually open to the truth and facts. And, and last weekend, I attended a virtual forum. It was the Global Forum 2020, Moving from Ego to Eco. Um, and this is at the uh, from the uh, Presencing Institute, and all their information is online. They use the Creative Commons license, so I'm sharing their information based on this. Um, the event is over, but there's tons of information online, and there's going to be lots of ongoing activities. So I want to quick play uh, one of the clips from one of the organizers right now, um, Antoinette Klosky with the Eileen Fisher Foundation. It is a time of disruption and a time of crisis. And for some of us, it may feel that the world is crumbling around us. And for me, sitting here in New York, there is quite a quite a uh, sense of sadness and grief that comes with that. There's a, a particular mood that may come with what we're feeling. Um, and at the same moment, in the exact same breath, that it may feel like the world is ending or crumbling or things are changing and quickly. There is also a moment of possibility, a moment where everything that we have been building for, that we have been coming together and creating um, in our own experiences, all the little places where we know there's just a little bit of possibility, that now it's starting to to emerge from, from the midst of the rubble of what is crumbling. So we know that while it may feel that one world is is ending, another one is, is being born. 
So one world ending and another one being born. And how do we birth the world that we want our children to live in and that we want to live in? And um, so this Global Forum 2020, moving from ego to eco. Um, later in the program, um, um, another person that's been joining me on this forum, it's part of a 14-week event, Vicki O'Day um, will be joining us. But right now, Lisa Fitzpatrick, um, she's also with Duluth Climate Mobilization, is on the phone. Hey, welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Lisa. Oh, Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I've, I've appreciated um, being part of this with you. So tell us a little bit about um, how, uh, how about your feelings about the, um, the forum and, and why you started participating in it. Well, um, I really like the name from ego to eco because we are in a time when we are moving from being selfish um, to working together as a collective. Um, the ego, just the I individualism, we can, we can solve things by being in a collective, a collective consciousness, a collective movement. And I, I found a lot of hope in the conference, um, that we both attended that was, it was really inspiring for me. Um, another thing I wanted to mention also is that the word eco, um, the word means home. And so we're moving from individualism and thinking of that to home, a home for all of us, everything. Um, I wanted to share also that daily affirmations that really keep me um, motivated and moving forward um, in a positive manner, um, but still being aware. And it's I am enough, I do enough, I have enough. And just really thinking and knowing that I do, I am enough, and all of us are enough. Um, and then the other one is, I am love, I am lovable, I love everyone. And, you know, I just put that, I look at myself in the eyes and say that, and I put it out into the world, because I believe we are made in, in love, all of us, each one of us, and, you know, together, just we can we can work together and we can um yeah, can we can solve things? You know, I really love that that I am enough and I do enough because um, in this moment of so many crises, and I'm seeing homeless people. I'm seeing, I, I'm learning. As I said, when I heard more about this plastic um, issue, I just had to shut it off. I couldn't take it in anymore. Um, but that idea that I am enough and I do enough. Um, and yet, at the same time, there is so much urgency and so many problems. So, how do we feel like we're loving, we're doing enough, when there's all this work to be done? Well, I think that we take it a little chunk at a time and be open, not to not to shut things out, but not to also become a whole sponge of all the news and everything that's happening. Um, but to be aware, you know, to be awake, to be aware. Um, and to be really empathizing with everyone and with ourselves. And, you know, taking time also, I am, you know, I do live in Duluth, so just observe, you know, observing nature, whatever we can. I mean, even sometimes I'm just even looking at a weed growing in the sidewalk and, and marveling that that little weed can still grow even in, in the crack of a sidewalk, any kind of, you know, appreciation of nature noticing it and um and other people just being around 
as much as we can, of course, in COVID and, you know, <laughs> but we're, we're doing physical distancing, not social distancing, in my opinion, because we need to be socially aware and socially together, just physically not close. Right. If that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And this, so this moving from ego to eco is about, uh, it's not about giving up our identities, but it's about no, moving, no. moving towards, um, um, uh, moving towards home. Right. Right. Yes. And I was very happy to join with the small band of people from Minneapolis that were participating in this, um, in this forum because, you know, I'm, I'm up here in Duluth, but because of the, uh, you know, we could, I could participate even from farther away. Right. And, and so we can jo- join together. And sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, um, uh, over 13,000 people around the globe participated in this. And again, it's all free and online at thepresentscene.org. And, and there was, there was, this was also very much in the context of the George Floyd moment and how we're waking up to, um, um, our, 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 our shared humanity and the shared struggles and the shared traumas. Yeah, that we can't we can't deny it, and we need to do what we can do to move forwards and to uh, make you know make this world a better place. I mean, my my specific thing that I'm particularly concerned about is um, mobilizing about climate, declaring climate emergency, having um, cities and counties and stuff plan you know make a plan that we need to reduce our emissions uh, by 2030. And we can do it, you know, we can do it. And But it's a all out, everyone needs to work together. And, um, you know, for food sovereignty, transportation, equitable, um, an equitable transition, um, energy, uh, renewable. But it, you know, because this is a food freedom show, I, I'm going yeah. to talk a little. I think that the food thing is really, really super important and um it's also, you know, it's what people are, when I talk to people about the climate mobilization, people really like the food part. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, um, so the solutions to the climate crisis are known and clear. Extensive, extensive research has been done by Project Drawdown, and it found that 12 of the 20 most effective ways to reverse global warming today are related to the transformation of food production, agricultural practices, and land use. But why are we why aren't we implementing these solutions and and collectively and these are against words from Otto Schirmer is collectively we are stuck in the gap between knowing and doing yeah and and I think we just need to leap that gap right you know, mind the gap and leap it <laughs> in London they have that the subway the the ah, the tube says mind the gap so we can, we can jump over that gap. Right, and that's what the, the, the subtitle is, is taking action for profound um, social renewal and having bold action. Mm-hmm. So, Lisa, yeah. tell us a little bit more about um, your activity in Duluth. I know we're going to be leaving here shortly, and we're going on a break shortly, but uh, I'm so glad you yeah. joined us. And tell us just a little bit about well, everything you've been doing out there. Well, actually, I'm going to be leaving to go on a peace walk which um, is about the, we have, I think, six sister cities um, Duluth does. And so there's a, there's a group of us who will be physically distancing and walking in peace from one, um, we have gifts, statues, and little park and so on 
from our sister cities, and we're going to be walking and doing sort of a prayerful walk amongst the the um, different um, for peace. I love it. So socially distance. So that's at one yeah. o'clock. So yes, that's so what. So social distance. Social distance. Yes, physically distancing, but not socially distancing. Yes. So, well, I really appreciate you joining Food Fair and Radio, Lisa. And uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the Global Forum 2020, moving from ego to eco. And joining us will be Vicki O'Day. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Please, stop your life. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nurse the seeds of change. And today we're talking about the Global Forum, which happened last week. Global Forum 2020, moving from eco to eco, taking action for profound social um, renewal. And joining us right now is Vicki O'Day. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me on today. Well, thanks so much for your time. And uh, you had a nice morning gardening? Yes, I was in my... Um Garden-to-table gardens, I was reworking a couple of them. This supplies the local food shelf, open-door food shelf down here in Dakota County. Uh, So I've been gardening this year to help out because I love gardening and it loves me. Yeah, perfect. It loves me back. Um, So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Sure. Well, I've been a longtime community leader here in the Twin Cities area, and um, so my background is really in development, and I develop people, programs, and progress. I'm a whole systems thinking nerd, and, you know, I've spent quite a lot of time working with organizations who wanted to create transformative change inside themselves and then in the greater world. And in April of this year, um, I found myself unemployed, so I created a company Um, a consulting firm called Imagined Relevance. And Imagined Relevance is about imagining something new. It's about something that's imagined, that's relevant now for the world that we're in right now. It's about changing the way we be and act together. And it's all about moving from ego to eco. You know, and uh, yeah, so... We did this 14 week because this guy asked her, well, what, does it, what does it mean to you to move from ego to eco? What does that mean? Yeah, well, thanks for that question. It's really critical. So moving from ego to eco from my experience is an inside out job. First, I need to be able to be conscious and aware of what's not working for myself inside and then courageous to um, be able to put that out, presence that, as we learn in the U-Lab, and um, to be able to get in touch with it, like going down the U, to get in touch with what is, and then to be able to be present with it and sense what it wants to teach me or what it wants to bring into my awareness, and then move from there. And when I do that, that's more generative when I'm moving from ego, I'm just reacting in the same old damaged, broken way that our world is right now. So moving from ego is moving from reacting to more of what we learn with Otto Sharmer at MIT and the Presencing Institute and the Gaia journey about moving down this you 
and actually presencing what's going on and then coming out with a response that's, you know, held in the heart and an open mind and from an open will as opposed to absencing where everything is closed, shut down, and just a reaction. So, for instance, one of the presentations, um, Waking Up, A Mindful Practice with John Kabat-Zinn, and he talked about the social field and finding and, and, and the, the ability to find profound rest and freedom by turning towards pain, not turning away from yes. pain, but turning towards pain. Yes. Um, John Kabat-Zinn and I studied with him, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. I studied with him many years ago during my master's program, which was on human development, and what he was talking about there is to access, be able to access, have the capacity to access the pain and from a contemplative, a quiet place, you know, yeah. where the pain might be inflamed and raging and red, but we come at it from this quiet, still place, quiet place. of that- curiosity and openness. I'm going to play a clip right now um, from Dr. Angel Acosta, and he was contemplating 400 years of inequity to say that we will no longer put up with the devaluation of black life. We will no longer put up with the murder of innocent civilians. So I come to you today imbued by the spirit of the resistance that is channeled through those protests where we can feel the anger, we can feel the anxiety, we can feel the confusion, yet we can also feel the joy, we can also feel the jubilance and the power that comes when people no longer put up with injustice and this felt sense of what Otto called interconnection is realized. Before I dive us into a very deep journey Uh, I want to activate in us a sense of humility, cultural humility. I just finished, as I said, my my, my doctorate in, in an Ivy League institution. And to be honest, I feel like I feel ignorant to many of the lived conditions of other of other people. I need to know more. I need to really know more. And it is with that humility that I kind of use the curiosity, my curiosity to, to lean into this conversation and to learn about the past and to learn about other communities. Oftentimes when we explore really deep, deep issues, Uh, especially in relation to culture and race, we hold on to our worldviews. We hold on to who we are, how we are, where we are. And sometimes that holding creates a barrier. And I want us today to begin with humility, cultural humility, critical humility. And even though I am quote-unquote educated, I myself feel like there's so much more for me to learn. And I want to say to Melanie Goodchild that I am so appreciative of, of you, 
my my dissertation, I explored indigenous knowledge extensively and benefited greatly from reading first people's ways of being, uh, in particular the the Cree people, some Anishinaabe. So the insight that I've gotten from those knowledges is this reverence for relationship, this reverence for just just bowing down to each other's lived experiences. So it is with incredible gratitude that I am um, appreciative of you sharing the space with me today, Melanie. Um, so just thank you. Thank you for doing this with us today. And uh, just wanted to thank you directly in light of all the knowledge that I was able to gain from sitting so this is a this is a clip from the Global Forum 2020 moving from ego to eco and Vicky O'Day on the phone right now with us. This is really powerful. What he did after this was so powerful. Um, we're going to need to take a break, but I just want to tease it out. And then when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about how um, Dr. Angel Acosta um, then led us through this 400 years and just feeling the weight of history. Not from a closed mind, not from a closed heart, not from a, well, this is all going to be over, but to just really wake up to our own trauma and try to get it unfrozen so that we can move to the better future. And that's why, in a lot of ways, this thing was so full of hope, because you could see the movement more possible. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline, and um, um, I'm, last weekend um, there's this global uh, forum. It was an online uh, global forum, 2020, moving from ego to eco, uh, taking action for profound societal renewal. Um, all their videos are online. You can look at it at presencing.org. That's P R E S E N. C-I-N-G dot org. And um, with us on the phone is Vicki O'Day. And in the last segment, we played that um, lovely quote um, from Dr. Angel Acosta, so about the 400 years of inequity. I know we have a lot we want to talk about on that. So, Yes, you know, that was a really profound and packed little clip you played from Dr. Acosta. And his 400 years timeline of the history of slavery and the African-American um, situation um, really is a profound um, piece of work to bring forth what Otto talks about is blind spots, you know, how we're not seeing the other. And Dr. Acosta really spoke a lot about cultural and personal humility. And what that does is it really opens us up to curiosity and coming from the humble place of not having any importance, but rather, you know, wanting to understand the greater picture of how things are for the other. And, you know, what that's the interrelatedness that we talked about earlier in um, the Gaia journey really brings that forth. How can we be humble? 
How can we be curious? How can we open our hearts and minds and wills to be compassionate and come to that bottom place where we know nothing and who we are is part of a greater picture that's interconnected so we can presence and build bridges what we need today. Yeah, because, um, I mean, uh, there's there, it, this is such a um, difficult moment in some ways in history, but also when we played that clip that started the show, while it's such a, you know, we've got the COVID environment, we've got climate crisis, we have the election crazy stuff going on, um, all the environmental issues, it also seems like a moment ripe for some type of um, profound change. Yes, and the profound change needs to come from a place of awake aware and intentionality, you know. Um, Dana talked about Dana Cunningham, who is also with the Presencing Institute, one of the co-founders, when she was talking, she's an African-American woman, and she was talking about her experience in relationship to Dr. Acosta's work, and she was really talking about the structural violence that we have and that we've been experiencing since the murder of George Floyd and even before that. And again, how do we come to a place of humility where we can move from the structural violence to more of what Dana referred to as structural love? I'm going to play a clip right now. On the, I think this expresses it. And this clip uh, from Dana is, I am here for you. Cashier, she had on protective gear. I was really glad to see that. Was she, she said, I'm so happy to see you. I hope you've had a great day and just relax. I'm going to take care of you. She was dressed all in purple and she had on like sparkly things all over, like sparkly earrings and a sparkly headband and a matching purple face mask. And I think her hair was dyed purple. And as she was taking the stuff out of my cart, she was dancing. And she was telling people, I am so busy because I had a lot of food and I just love being so busy. And, uh, you know, I'll let you know when it's time to come help this woman to her car. Um, And she was laughing with her colleagues. uh, And so when, you know, I decided as a practice that when I leave the supermarket, I've got to give the frontline hero um, a token of appreciation, money, you know, to just to support them in, in a way that I can that is possible in this momentary transaction. And um, so when I got all the stuff in the carts, I pulled out the cash and I handed it to her and she said, absolutely not. He said, I'm doing this because I'm here for you. I'm not going to take your money. And I thought, who is this human being? Who is this human being? Every day coming in contact with so much risk and danger and um, meeting it with joy and service. So that is... um, the lesson that I have learned today. 
So that again was a clip from the Global Forum uh, 2020, moving from ego to eco, and all that clip is available um, by going to Presencing. If you want to hear all of these, it's p r e s e n c i n g dot org. Vicky, um, movement from structural violence to structural love. Yeah, and you know that story that Dana told was about her opening her heart. And opening her heart out of gratitude to this woman on the front line in the grocery store. And the woman's response was from a place of service, humility, right? Like uh, Dr. Acosta talked about. And, you know, part of the Presencing Institute, which is a global learning and capacity building lab for leaders who are emerging innovations and transformative systems change, is to help us build bridges through these structural divides and, you know, the boundaries we find ourselves in 2020 outside of care, right, caring capacities. We talked a lot about that and Dana just told a story about caring capacity of that cashier for service. And, you know, we found our, we find ourselves right now, Laura, outside of the boundaries of caring capacities and the limits of our planet the limits of our social constructs in order to honor and and be with each other. We have a huge intergenerational challenge that we face both locally and globally, and this is a crucial moment for us to step back and step in and to revision and revisit and reset the systems that are breaking down all around us. And that's what the Global Forum was all about That's what the 14-week Gaia journey was all about. How are we initiating and acting on on a global level to activate change? Um, um, and, and, And also going into this place where we're comfortable with not knowing. With so much disruption, we don't know. What's going to be next? And sometimes I found myself actually feeling a little depressed because it's like, oh, you know, we uh, the next thing has got to be a major depression. You know, I don't know how we're going to get out of this and we get depression. And, and I was sharing with someone, they're like, you don't know. I mean, maybe we'll get basic income. I mean, we don't know what would be next. But And that's part of being present is to not be so um, – not following the habit of wanting to always predict what's going to be next in our future, but just being alive to what is right now. Yes. That's, that's it, presencing, the bottom of the you, connecting to source, like a belief, a trust, a faith in life. And, you know, from that place, just go to silence and peace. If we can get there, even amongst all the chaos, to just be present to what is and allow what's going to emerge to emerge. You know, the... Um, Oh, I'm sorry. You're breaking up a little bit, Vicki. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, The you that we learn through the Presencing Institute has five movements that teach us ways to build capacities to, yes, be in fear and be calm all at once by going through this. And it's really meant for the individual and the collective body to move together inside out, inside out. It's kind of like this cycle. Right. And it's not, it's not easy to understand or grasp because so much of our conditioning and culture, um, is kind of set up for this other churn. And I mean, it's, it's just, it, it, we, we don't, we don't really, we, we don't get many messages about, um, our true nature. 
No, we don't. And that's why I'm so glad you're doing the show about the Gaia Journey today and the Presencing Institute, because it really is what Otto says. It's a social technology. Otto Sharma, the mm-hmm. um, co-founder, it's a social technology based and grounded in these root principles and practices that you and I have been practicing in our local Minneapolis hub, and we've been practicing globally with each other for many countless years, and it's a it's a journey. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is a journey, and um, there's a lot of um, uh, it, it is a journey, and it, it's nothing that's it, it, it's kind of hard to um, synthesize. In the next segment, and we don't have time to play it in this one, but the next one we're going to play a long clip from Otto and um, uh, Farmer and from Brazil about uh, regenerative agriculture and the potential of regenerative agriculture. But again, we've talked about these issues for a long time, but we're still in a system sort of set up that doesn't that that seems incapable of being kind and rational. Right, and that system as we see from COVID as the catalyst is breaking down and it's breaking down in the US and it's breaking down globally supply chains, all economics, um our healthcare system is really coming to the fore and climate change is still with us, even though we haven't been paying much attention. And so this regenerative farming that we're going to be talking about really in the next segment really brings that to the fore. We still have climate. We still have to care for our environment. As things break down, that's what's so powerful about the Gaia Journey and the Presencing Institute. It gives us the capacity to hold space for what is in its horribleness and also to come together as a collective with hope, as you said earlier. With hope. So it's really hope. Yeah, because it's about creating the future. Yeah. And recognizing our power, too. Yeah, and what Otto says, it's attend to the seeing through the eyes of the other and for the future that wants to emerge. Is part of it breaking down the separation between myself and the other? I think that the breakdown of separation already is pretty prominent. What we need to do is be together with the the humility, as Dr. Acosta said, and try to see through the other's eyes and see from a place where we're all interconnected and how can we like reinvent our economic models, our social models, our spirituality, so that we can come together as whole units with individual players. I love it. Now if we're going to be we're going to be taking a break now and um and then when we come back we're going to play that longer clip that talks about the regenerative food system and there was so much wonderful economic thinking also um the School of London Economics that was involved in this um other canyon org. So I mean there's different ways of being in this world. Let's discover them, let's discover them together and let's create the future we want to live in. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song. So you don't take a sad song and make it better by just ignoring the sadness. Um, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Uh, the New York Times reported uh, last month that Amazon deforestation um, soared um, at, during the pandemic, and uh, it's a, a, a dramatic rise of illegal deforestation. It heightens the risk of the fires in the Brazilian rainforest, that they may even be worse than the, the fires that uh, drew global outrage. Um, but right now we're going to hear a clip from um, Otto uh, 
Sharmer Char- and um, a, a Brazilian um, organic farmer um, about how they're transforming the food system and what it means. So we'll play this clip. Here's the other thing that often is much less talked about. We need to shift our global agricultural model from industrial agriculture to regenerative organic, also 100% within the next maybe decade or two. Now, that may sound astonishing, but here are like three numbers everyone needs to know, um, and that will kind of be the segue into the conversation with Pedro. The three numbers are easy to remember, 30, 40, 70. 30% of, uh, so food and agricultural uh, production accounts for 30% of current greenhouse gas emissions. So all the air travel, right? So the, the pollution through airplanes amounts to 2%. Food and agriculture, 30. Now, there are some, you know, Uh, studies that say it's even much more than that uh, if you calculate kind of all the uh, supply chain. But 30% is a pretty agreed on number, a conservative estimate. So that's the supply side of the pollution, the greenhouse gas pollution. But as you know from global warming, there's also kind of the other side, the sequestering, capturing carbon and storing it back in the soil. So here are the other two numbers. If we, if all cropland globally were found um, using regenerative organic methods, we could sequester approximately 40% of current global annual greenhouse gas emissions. And the 70 is if, in addition to that, at the same time, all global pasture was managed according to regenerative uh, uh, agricultural methods, an additional 70% of CO2 emissions might be sequestered. So together, right, switching from industrial to the uh, uh, organic regenerative, it reduces on the emission side 30%, and then is sequestering up to about 100%. Now, there is, you know, some discussion about these numbers. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's only half that. But even that would be absolutely a game changer. So that's the other thing, and that's really kind of the, um, the segue into the uh, uh, conversation with you, Petro. And uh, so you are Petro Denise. Uh, you are um, a pioneer, a farmer, and an entrepreneur in regenerative organic agriculture and also in agroforestry in Brazil. Welcome to our conversation. And... I want to kick it off. I want to kick it off, Pedro, with um, you know connecting a little bit what uh, Arana and uh, Judy uh, were talking about, which is really our personal relationship to Mother Earth, to the land. What is for you personally, kind of, what's the significance of that relationship? And in your own work, what is actually your highest aspiration? What is it you're trying to do? Well, hello everyone. Hi Otto. It's a big pleasure to be here. Uh, well, my connection, uh, I spent seven years in the farming, implementing the farming, uh, this regenerative organic farming that I have. Uh, and these seven years, it's been really um, 
deep connection into nature to me. And, and that, that really make me understand uh, uh, how nature uh, deals with everything and uh, what's the strategic and uh, the systemic way that nature deals with everything. And um, on the, all these years, I, I, I'm, I'm working with this already for 12 years. And in all these years, I understand clear that we are mostly of um, our agricultural systems, we are fighting with nature. We are really fighting, trying to dominate nature and um, trying to think it as nature as a factory and and trying to control everything and cleaning and sterilized like a factory. And that doesn't work. That's very clear that doesn't work. And there's a lot of side effects on that. Um, when you try to sterilize, you put all the pesticides and fungicides and all the sides, um, you actually kill the potential of nature, of uh, driving with us, and kill the soil, and, and actually create most of the diseases. Um, so for me, all these years um, has been really our awakening of really to understand who I personally I am and understand what is my role on on the planet and as 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 human and and trying to to understand how 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 I, I live here together and in nature uh, thriving with nature instead of fighting with nature and trying to control nature. So um, that was um, uh, a business owner, agroforester, and a former F- Formula One race driver, Petro Diaz. Um, he is one of the country's leading producers of organic eggs and fruit in Brazil. Vicky, unfortunately, we're down for our last minute. I know we can talk so much about this, but what, what would you like to say at this limited time? Well, what Pedro, thank you, Laura. What Pedro just said was it. How can we like think about who we are? And what is ours to do? And then what can we contribute? Um, you know, he also mentioned in his talk about 80 million acres of degraded land in Brazil and 13 million people living in poverty. And the soil is sick. The people are sick. And we're not really feeding each other. We're feeding, you know, greenhouse gas. Well, we'll, 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 we'll keep we'll keep talking about this, um, but uh, and people can listen to all these tapes at presentscene.org, Global Forum, moving from ego to eco. You've been listening to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you so much, Vicky O'Day. Thank you, Laura. Thank you.